Hey everybody, this is Dave Hodges, host of The Common Sense Show, and we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. We're really glad you could join us, and we're going to be talking about some um, nefarious characters today, most of them of California origin. Surprise, surprise. I believe all of them will be Democrats from the left. That's no surprise. And we're going to be unveiling more conspiracies from the left. And we do so in the name of showing you what life is going to be like if we let these people control our government, which is their ultimate goal, because they want to control their government so they can control us. Here to talk to us about these events is Alexandra Daly, who's done a fair amount of research into this area. And we're going to share her findings today on the Common Sense Show. But first, I need to let you know, there are people who are bringing this show to you, making this possible, and we want to identify them. First of all, I've told you that a recession was coming, and it's not Trump's fault. This is the fault of the Federal Reserve and the fluctuation with interest rates artificially devised to create just what we're going through right now. But you can step out of the way of this oncoming train wreck by investing in Noble Gold's IRA. Key phrase there is gold. And I want you to check them out for a no-pressure interview. You can give them a call at 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. And the link, it'll be in this broadcast description box, will be right there for you to access as well. We're also brought to you by our storable food company we call preparewithdave.com. And when the economy goes south, so do just-in-time deliveries. Trucking is in big trouble in this country. And this is why everybody needs food, water, guns, gold, ammo, medicine, and tools. I can help you with the food. And I know you say, Dave, I can't get that six months you talk about. It's too expensive. I know. So we've created a two-week package, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at 50% off. I don't know how much easier we can make it. Our goal is to get every American prepared. Now, what do you get in this package? We get 25-year shelf-life food. You can buy multiple packets on your way to that minimum of six-month storable food. Restaurant quality, I'll tell you, if you don't act now, you may not have time or the opportunity to act later. Go to preparewithdave.com. And then finally, we're brought to you by readymaderesources.com and my good friend Bob Griswold, who I call King Prepper. And he does one thing that other preppers do not do, and that's give you free consultations. He'll listen to where you're at. He'll tell you what your next step is. He's got great quality products. He finances the high end. Go to readymaderesources.com, and everything you need to order will be right there. Plus, there's a number on screen that you can use to call Bob and talk to him personally about your situation. Well, Alexander, Alexander Daly has been on our show uh, several times before, and I have to tell you, every time we put it up on YouTube, it's instantly demonetized. Instantly. I mean, even before we get to publication, it gets demonetized. Why? Because social media is trying to cover the misdeeds of the left, and this particular broadcast will not disappoint. Alexander, I'm really glad you could join us, and, and thank you for doing so. And uh, we're going to be covering some old familiar characters, namely Diane Feinstein, Richard Bloom, and a whole host of associated leftists that are household names. Welcome to the show. What are we, what are we looking at with these people here? What, what's the, the threat? What are they doing? What's the latest? Well, hello, Dave. It's good to talk to you again, um, as always. Out comes the plethora of information, some old, some new, some just this whirlwind of corruption and unethical behavior. Uh, we've talked about, you know, when we start looking at corrupt politicians and what have you, and it's usually Dianne Feinstein that comes to mind when you're talking about this, but when you started covering Rosenstein, and then we found out about his wife. Uh, Lisa uh, Varsumian, yep. That's the one. Started thinking about taking a look at other people's other half, because it seems like they're in as deep or more than the person that is focused on. And this case is absolutely no different. So I guess... Uh, the best way to do this is just kind of kick this off and, and jump in whenever you want because <laughs> it's got to go fast. 
Yeah, I, what I want to do is, is have you start. I, I think a good starting point is Richard Bloom's latest uh, nefarious and illegal activities. His latest ones? Yeah, the ones that, that we had discussed prior. Um, the ties that bind. Yeah. I found those to be well, particularly interesting because, see, the place people don't know, Richard Bloom is the husband of Diane Feinstein. Well, if I can interject for two seconds, people will understand a base of just how corrupt this guy's always been, and then I will jump right into what you were talking about. Um, just real briefly, he graduated from the San Francisco Public Schools and UC Berkeley, got an MBA. Um, at 23, he went to a San Francisco brokerage Sutron company and became a partner before he was 30. He also led a partnership that acquired a struggling Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey for $8 million and four years later sold it to Mattel for $40 million. In 1975, his, he first invested in URS. URS Corporation was an engineering design and construction firm and, <clears throat> excuse me, and U.S. federal government contractor. Its headquarters were in San Francisco. It has global office in America, Europe, Africa, Asia Pacific. It was acquired by ACOM, A-E-C-O-M, in 2014. Also in 75, he struck out on his own, forming Blum Capital Partners. The firm raises money from pension funds, foundations, insurance companies, wealthy individuals. He buys uh, stakes in undervalued companies and sells them for profit. Now, we've talked about this before, and you've covered it, as well as the, uh, the farmlands, the postal service, all of that. And that plays into where that is going. Uh, buys stakes in undervalued companies and sells them for profit. He has about $4.5 billion under management and holds some 20 positions in some 20 companies, including credit reporting firm Fair Isaac and real estate giant C.B. Richard Ellis. So, some of his latest, I will kind of jump to the back and then move forward. We'll okay. go sure. that way. Um, let's start with one of the bombshells of who he's been tied to. Um, interestingly enough, Mr. Blum was a co-investor in a exclusive private equity fund with Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein invested $30 million in a private equity fund alongside um, California State Senator Feinstein, according to documents reviewed by Business Insider. The investments took place two years before allegations of Epstein's paying for minor for sex scandal became public. Um, Epstein and Blum were both investors of something called Second City Capital Partners One, a $100 million fund founded in 2004 by, a guy named, uh, by the late Samuel Bellsberg. Samuel was a Canadian businessman behind the Gibraltar Capital Corporation and Bellsberg Company. The fund is directed by his son-in-law, Strauss Zelnick, who is a well-known media investor and briefly considered for CEO of CBS. The fund had about 40 limited partners. Many were not disclosed, but because of Epstein's investments, um, it made up nearly one-third of the $100 million fund, so the two entities associated with them were disclosed in public filings. The return on this was that Blum's investment more than doubled in three years. Feinstein's connection to Second City and her voluminous financial disclosure from 2004-2010. Blum is the sole owner of another limited partnership, uh, Blum Family Partners, which invested approximately 250000 uh to $500,000. In, it went from that in uh, Second City in both 2004 and grown to well over 501,000 to a million before going back to a lower range in 2009-2010. And of course, Diane's spokesperson says she has no knowledge or ownership. Um, 
because Feinstein's assets are in a blind trust, and she never had any contact with Jeffrey Epstein. The second city capital partner's parent company, Bellsberg and Bloom Capital, haven't commented, and of course, the representative for Wexner declined comment. Well, we know that Wexner was tied in pretty tight with Epstein as well. There's big history there. Second City invested in public and private companies in energy, mining, real estate, and electronics. The claim that they're trying to hold up is that it's unclear if either knew the other was an investor, but we know that Epstein's long history of using his money to cultivate relationships with powerful people, um, such as the information of Bill Clinton being on Lolita's passenger manifest at least 26 times. But Epstein also became close to Harvard's former president and treasury secretary, Lawrence Summers, about the time he pledged the $30 million to Harvard. So now we have an interesting connection between Blum and Epstein. But Blum's got another interesting character sitting in the wings. Do you remember the Kavanaugh hearings? Absolutely, very well. Okay, so we know that Kavanaugh's accuser, Dr. Christine Ford, works with Senator Feinstein's husband at the University of California, where Richard Blum is on the Board of Regents, and he's been there since 2002. So with Ford coming out and claiming that she didn't know how to contact her senator or president, when we know that (laughs) even children can find that information... (laughs) I'm, kind I, of hard. I, I'm laughing because I just published this in an article that went up on the Common Sense Show this morning. How to contact the president, how to contact your senators. Yeah, what a joke. And this woman is, what, a Ph.D.? Oh, she has two masters and a Ph.D. Hmm. So, and she's got a long history of lying. The, For instance, during this testimony, and, you know, take your two cents out of it, the There was a body language expert, Mandy O'Brien, who observed Ford. And interestingly enough, something that I picked up on this was her comment was Ford would look at the committee and not her attorneys when she was asked about setting up the hearings and all these questions. Well, observed in the full analysis of Ford, uh, Mandy O'Brien said that Senator Feinstein was smiling frequently in her action with Ford, which indicates familiarity. But there's more to doubt Ford's testimony on that. She talked about her fear of flying, um, ultimately had to admit that she was a very frequent flyer and flies all over the world for business and pleasure. There was a long list, but uh, she also tried lying about who recommended her for her lawyers. Well, that came out. She finally had to admit it was someone from Feinstein's office. The guy who did the polygraph said she failed to meet even basic standards. So just to put naysayers to bed on Ford's credibility and her she's got no reason to lie theory, um, she was involved in at least one anti-Trump march. She had financial ties to the abortion pill industry via her position as director of biostatics at Concept Therapeutics, which only has one product, Corlum, which is and always has been the abortion pill. And there was even an article in Washington Post that stayed in detail in their article. But she kept claiming she didn't even know Richard Blum. So when you look at this and, and then find out that Feinstein's office was the one who recommended the attorneys. There's, it, it just, it never ends. <laughs> yeah, no, it never ends, and she should be brought back in charge of perjury. But I think what this highlights is the far-reaching power of Richard Bloom, and yes. uh, and his tree of associates are just branching out and creating mayhem throughout our government. Um, Richard Bloom just received a political appointment, correct? I'm not really sure on that. I didn't run across that. Um, most of what I, I think he had was run appointed across... to oh, border regents. 
I think. So Board of Re- UC Board of Regents was uh, he was appointed to uh, by Gray Davis in 2002. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, so he has crossed the line from business into politics. It makes him a fascist by definition. Uh, but when we take a look at the situation involving um, Richard Bloom, I came across him several times five, six years ago when I uncovered the fact that he got sweetheart, no-bid contracts resulting from work emanating from committees that his wife, Senator Dianne Feinstein, was the chairman of. And oh, I yes. published those in detail and I sent them to the DOJ, the FBI. I sent them everywhere I could. And, of course, you know, crickets chirping, nothing happens. Well, and you're spot on about that. Um, from 2001 to 2005, uh, Diane Feinstein was a chairperson and ranking member of the Military Construction Appropriation Subcommittee, MILCON. So she was supervising the appropriation of billions of dollars a year, um, specifically for military construction projects. So two of the contractors who interest that were largely controlled by her husband benefited from the decisions. So, yeah, I mean, and that is its own story. And it brings in uh, Michael Klein, who was a top legal advisor to Feinstein, and a business t- a business partner of Blanc's, and the vice chairman of Perini's board of directors. Klein was a partner in a powerful law firm uh, with close ties to the Democratic Party for 30 years, and Klein and Blum co-own Astar, A-S-T-A-R, Air Cargo, which has military contracts in Iraq and Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, Client also sits on the board of SRA International, a large defense contractor. So it, uh, yeah, it just never ends there. It it, it started out in commercial, and I kind of want to backtrack into that for just a couple minutes and give everybody a brief view because you've covered extensively um, Feinstein's ties with China, her Chinese spy, and. Blum actually plays a pretty big part in this. Um, In the 1970s, he befriended new mayor Dianne Feinstein and married her in 1980. Well, he was friends with the previous mayor, I think it's Marconi, who was murdered. Yes. Well, in 1979, that was Feinstein's China visit that won him the ear of Chinese authorities. It also included a meeting at the Chinese Mountaineering Association. Well, while they were there, and they spent all this time back and forth in Tibet, and they talked about all this, you're going to see how this plays out from going back from all the way from 1979. The Chinese Mountaineering Association. Well, that led to Blum founding the American Himalayan Foundation, and for 20 years or more have provided education, health, reforestation, and other cultural preservation for the people of Tibet, Nepal, and parts of India. Blum was joined by Norbu Tenzing Norgay, who is the development director of foundation and son of Norgay Tenzing. Well, he was the first to reach uh, the summit of Mount Everest, with New Zealander Sir Edmund Hillary in 1953. Why is this also important? Because Feinstein's China crackdown on Tibet makes a personal stake in Tibet. For decades, Feinstein and Blum were virtual ambassadors uh, that were shuttling between the Dalai Lama and Chinese government. Blum flies the Dalai Lama to the U.S. and around the country on his private jet where he makes appearances at annual fundraisers for Bloom's American Himalayan Foundation and another 170 projects that Bloom is involved in. Bloom has stated that he's had hundreds of conversations 
with Chinese leaders for over 25 years. Three times in the 1990s, Bloom carried personal letters from the Dalai Lama to the Chinese president, Jiang Zemin, or Zemin, Z-E-M-I-N. Well, here's an interesting key. Feinstein knew Jiang. They'd both been mayors of their cities, San Francisco and Shanghai. So their ties go way back. And I'll bring the Dalai Lama back into it later. But you can see that this connection to China goes back to the back to the late 70s. So one can only imagine uh, what all Feinstein's been into. Um, but I'll jump back to Richard because kind of that was kind of more the focus because we pretty much yeah, Richard hear Bloom, about what yeah, Richard Bloom. Yeah. yeah, we we hear about Feinstein. Uh, and you've covered her extensively. Well, Bloom was also an investor in Northwest Airlines and trading companies in China. Feinstein voted for bills such as normalization of economic ties with China that would financially benefit Bloom. He owns part of a firm studying environmental impact of the San Francisco International Airport's planned runway expansion. Well, Bloom's also contributed to Gray Davis's, and this is where he was named into the UC Board of Regents, and that was back in 2002. He contributed to Davis, uh, Davis's campaign. He served as director on several boards, including Korea First Bank, C.B. Richard Ellis, and Northwest Airlines. Uh, Glenn, Glenboro Realty Trust and serves as co-chair of World Conference on Religion and Peace. He's also a, a chair of a, a San Francisco private equity company, Blum Capital Partners. Um, now one of those deals. We'll just, because you'll hear about CBRE coming into several of these. Blum was going to make a billion dollars in commissions off the insider dealer deal. Now, this was the U.S. Postal Service. He obtained a no-bid contract for their private corporation, got insider, insider deals and solicitations. What that was about was 56 buildings so that, uh, from the U.S. Postal Service that were selling, and we're going to lease space more expensively. So CBRE was selected in March 2011 as the sole real estate agent in sales, where Blum served as CBRE board member and chairman from 2001-2014. The sales of the buildings alone could bring up to $19 billion. There's an inside note on that as well, that CB Richard Ellis, the same firm that was hired by the city of Indianapolis to help choose site, for the new criminal justice center. It picked an airport site, but the city officials opted for a site of the former GM stamping plant. His firm also received absurd fee amounts to help the city relocate the IFD headquarters, IFD Station 7, the Firefighters Credit Union on Massachusetts Avenue, so Mayor Ballard give away the entire city block for free to pay to play his friend for redevelopment will cost the city taxpayers more than $60 million. Then we get to DHL. DHL reached a definitive agreement to be acquired by its new CEO in a deal that could make it, har make it harder for two rivals in the package delivery industry to show that the airline is under control of German carrier Deutsche Post AG. Mr. Dashberg, the CEO, had no ties to DHL before coming, becoming its CEO. But guess what he did before that for 10 years, Dave? He led Northwest Airlines. He took other jobs at Burger King Corporation until the chain was sold off, 
and then you've got other investors that were, again, Richard Blum and Michael Klein. He's also uh, not only an attorney, but the co-founder of CoStar Group. And this is a commercial real estate data provider in Bethesda, Maryland. Blum's firm was an uh, investor in the buyout of Northwest Airlines in 89, where he was on their board. So, but it keeps getting dirtier. It just never gets, it never ends. I mean, this chain, <laughs> it's, it's like one criminal empire. Uh, and it, it just not only continues to go forward, but again, it goes back to names that go into the past. And they're not unscathed without lawsuits and accusations as well. There was something called Crew in 2009. It's Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. They wanted the FDIC contract awarded to Richard Ellis uh, to be looked into. And so they, uh, they urged the IG of the Federal Deposit, the FDIC, to investigate a suspect contract that was awarded to Blum Chairs. The company won the contract, and a commercial real estate firm with little experience selling foreclosed property. Well, after they got the contract, we find out that one month earlier, Feinstein wrote a letter in support of the FDIC's desire to expand loan modification programs. After the contract was awarded and introduced into legislation that would use $25 billion in troubled asset relief program funds to bankroll the FDIC plans, the contract with CBRE reportedly contained five uh, favorite terms, including setup, administration management, commission fees that are not typically awarded in comparable contracts, and many of the fees exceed any industry norm or wouldn't uh, or would never be paid before the sale had gone through but it gets dirtier there's yet another legal lawsuit and it connected Blum Capital Partners Fremont Group CBRE and Philip Anschutz the Denver billionaire the plaintiff was Pete Bennett in the matter of Bennett versus Southern Pacific. In 1998, ATG, Advanced Telecom Group, funded uh, was founded in Santa Rosa. In 2000, it acquired other CLECs and moved into other states. In 2001, Santa Rosa, ATG Santa Rosa begins collapsing. Well, it forced the sale to stronger partners in the interest of consumers. Well, TPG deeply discounted down to $500,000. Well, fact one, 200 employees provided Blum with a significant discount of about $300,000 for the line of sales to customers on a fake all-out run for new accounts. ATG acquired assets for significant discounts, thus stripping the investors of about $500 million and the assets sold for about 500000 to Telepacific Group, owned by Texas Pacific Group. Fact two, 2001. Unknown was the connection where Blum, who took assets from ATG, leaving un employees unpaid, and then another group comes in called the Alamo, Alamo First Mormons, and they were connected to Blum. Fact three was the documents that brought this lawsuit were stolen by the Alamo First Mormons. And it had to do with fraud in RICO. The, there were two amounts of $850 million and $400 million uh, in fraud and brought because of what was lost. Well, what was lost? CBC, SBC Services, contract for project about 9-11 and attorney-client communications there were payroll and business records. There were names of witnesses murdered. There was copy of litigation, witness statements, settlement papers, uh, contracts connected to the murders of several of the plaintiffs of the customers. So 
what is this beginning to sound like? Well, now he's going to get dirtier. Blum, a $100 million UC investment, Feinstein campaign donations, business as usual at the UC. Well, let's go back to the UC Regents. The UC Regents decided to shift $100 million in university endorsements and pension resources into a RISE fund, which was operated by TPG, founded by David Bonderman. Well, this formed an extensive business, uh, and he formed an extensive business relation with Bloom for the past 25 years and served as a TPG executive. Founded, he founded a fund over TPG's Asia business and partnered with TPG and his own Blum Capital. The $100 million investment was UC's first investment with TPG. Bonderman and his wife also donated more than thirty-two grand to Feinstein. Uh, donors associated with RISE, over $65,000 in a three-week period, yada, yada, yada. So there became this question about the conflict of interest and they had asked him whether or not he'd been above board and of course he comes back stating that um, they had always followed and adhered to the strongest compliance standards well once this goes through then you see forwarded the region's conflict of interest policy and no other comment is made and of course Feinstein never comments the decision by the UC Regents made an investment fund run by a close friend and business partner of Blum raises potential issue of institutional corruption. When money is saved for workers' pensions, retirements, and placed into a high-fee investment that benefits the politicians, questions need to be asked and answered. Investment funds in several states, same problem. Well. Blum Bonderman and the UC system are not any stranger to controversy there either, surrounding their investment and business practice. In 2013, CBRE got the $118 million contract to sell and lease U.S. postal property. In 2015, the Postal Service IG recommended the com contract be terminated, but that never happened. Blum was also blasted for using CalPERS, the state employees retiring fund to purchase for profit higher education firm ITT. Well, at the same time he's investing in ITT, which of course we know is no longer around, he was voting to increase UC tuition by 32%. Then you've got Blum's Capital also blamed by Payless Shoe Source creditors for bankrupting the chain to provide $350 million in dividends to Bloom Capital, its business partners, and uh, its other business partner, Golden Gate Capital. Well, we know Payless ended up closing over 700 stores. Similarly, the SEC fined the TPG for misleading investors in 2017, and Bonderman ended up resigning from Uber's board for offensive comments to women. Um, and TPG was also sued later by former communication director Adam Levine. Well, who was he? He was the deputy press secretary to George W. Bush. So that leads us a little bit forward to Feinstein having a China spy and one making a fortune in China. Well, back in, as you've well covered, 92-93, Feinstein hires Russell Lowe, the Chinese spy, coincidentally, at the same time that Blum starts doing a lot of business in China. 92, Feinstein enters the Senate. Blum's interest in China, there was one project, and it was worth, uh, worth less than 500000 But by 2017, his investment firm paid $23 million for a stake in Chinese government-owned steel enterprise, acquired a sizable amount of interest in leading in the leading producers of soybean milk and candy in China. 
Blum has another firm, Newbridge Capital Limited. They received a $10 million investment by the International Finance Corporation, which is an arm of the World Bank. And now we're back to his biggest investment of an estimated $300 million in Northwest Airlines. They were told they would profit from China's emergence as the economy as coming back as an economy power. Why is this important? Because Northwest operates the only nonstop service from anywhere in the U.S. to China. Hmm. Well, here's here's what we got. We had a criminal trail by Richard Bloom, who's the real criminal in this Feinstein Bloom partnership, but. She facilitates this. How much have you found facilitation by Diane Feinstein to Richard Bloom? Oh my God! If I had to sit there and and haven't not even getting into Diane Feinstein just her facilitation, well over ninety percent, because she has sat on so many subcommittees or has the the ties to them, or she's. Um, dealing with the appropriations and he's always getting these no-bid contracts he's you know the same with the the land and this here's a big part of it that you bring into this because you've talked about the farmlands how they uh, were getting pennies on the dollar and then giving it to the Chinese and you know selling it for a ton of money well this leads us to the catalyst development company. Now, the U.S. Congress granted the Southern Pacific Railway a checkerboard of pattern right-of-way land parcels that lined either side of the tracks from Texas to California. Southern Pacific disappeared in 94 when Union Pacific merged with them. So who is Catalyst Development? They're the second largest private landholder in the western United States with 817,000 acres in California alone. What they do is they develop commercial real estate, shopping centers, housing, and acquire properties on some defunct military bases during the Clinton administra- administration base closures. They're very active in land swaps and have exchanged the most worthless rural properties for prime development in urban areas for land adjacent to usually a planned freeway. This is the same company that built Playa Vista out in L.A. I don't know if you remember it, me being a Southern Californian. I do, and I used to live in that area. When they did that, there was that whole battle over the wetlands and this ruse of, you know, save the wetlands. Well, that was them. <laughs> they, they were the ones trying to take that over. Yeah, I, I have something to add to that too. Not only did they engage in that, and the EPA and the BLM were their willing partners. They managed to force farmers off their land, like in the San Joaquin Valley, and they brought in this phony "we need to save the two-inch smelt fish" nonsense. But just as soon as they forced the farmers off, Richard Bloom swoops in, buys all this land and sells it at a higher cost to China, and China's using this in part to supplement their food shortage in their mainland. This is These people are so criminal, yet they continue to get away from it. I mean, my takeaway is this. I don't know what you look at this, but I look at this and say the rule of law is dead in America. It certainly appears that way, and when you, when you consider the decades of continued loopholes and nepotism and you know when you look at the tenure of the people running this country you shouldn't be in the congress or the senate 20 30 40 years because it allows them to create these laws these loopholes and you know they pass these bills and we've talked about that they stuff all this crap into whatever bill, paint a pretty picture on it, and then, of course, you get Nancy Pelosi. We didn't even read the bill. We'll find out when it comes out. It's like, oh, God. Well, to add to Catalyst, the CEO and chair, 
is Nelson Rising. He was formerly with McGuire Thomas. This was the most politically wired company, and he has significant ties to Feinstein. And guess who? San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown. Kamala Harris's uh, leg up man. Yeah, oh yeah, leg up man. Nice phrase. Catalyst <laughs> uh. <laughs> contributed to both of them. In addition to giving a hundred and forty thousand dollars to Brown in legal fees, uh, Feinstein over ten years had received a hundred and fifty thousand plus. So, here's where the land deal and swap come in with Feinstein and Blum. Feinstein, as you know, is very successful, and you brought this up about how she facilitates. Well, not only with the military contracts, Feinstein successfully land-swapped a property in Southern California. Well, you call it a property, geez. It was called the Desert Wilderness Protection Act of 1994. This was funded by additional legislation sponsored by Feinstein in 99, 2000, and 2001 in Congress. It is now known as the Desert Wildlands Act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this involved over 400,000 acres of catalyst land in the Mojave Desert to the federal government for a natural preserve. They got $56 million for it. $30 million of it was coming from government, 26.5 coming from a nonprofit group, the Wildlands Conservancy. Now, it's interesting. When you start hearing this, connect the dots and a little light bulb goes off. This kind of sounds a little bit like the whole Agenda 21 thread in there as well. The connection between Catalyst and the Wildlands Conservancy. Well, yeah, you could say there's a conflict of interest because they, the land value is always inconsistent when it transfers from Catalyst to Wildlands. And then suddenly, the value jumps up to 300%, which, of course, yields huge tax benefits to Catalyst. There's another interesting transaction. It was called basically, <laughs> basically the Great Gold Heist, the Desert Wilderness Protection Act. Feinstein is the modern Jesse James. The exchange was worthless land for commercial alongside interstate uh, interchanges, and of course that's quote bad public policy. But swapping worthless land for rich gold-bearing land was scheduled. Part of the Catalyst land exchange in Mojave was a swap for a military base called the Chocolate Mountain. This has deposits worth forty to one hundred billion dollars. Catalyst also owns the nearby Mesquite Mine in the Chocolate Rift Zone. What is the Chocolate Rift Zone? It is one of the 10 most profitable in the U.S. and some of the most profitable gold deposits in the world. Thank you, Diane Feinstein. Catalyst is based in San Francisco on Mission, Boulevard, uh, Mission Street, just across from the Transbay Terminal. There was a billion-dollar project in the Bay Area, and I'm just going to kind of skim over this because we're getting a real clear picture of what these people do. It included a $3 billion Mission Bay project in San Francisco and the $1.5 billion military base conversion in Alameda at the former Fisk Naval, uh, uh, Naval Air Center, and the developments included commercial office and retail space housing. There was also a Transbay Terminal Bill, AB 1409, which proposed 900,000 square feet of a transit building with commercial offices, and it was only going to cost $900 million. Well, Dion Ariner was the, quote, author of the bill, but it came out that, guess who, Willie Brown drafted the legislation. What does all this mean? Basically, another land swap for the city of San Francisco. The bottom line was that San Francisco would get about $4 billion in prime development land for a buck. Now this paints one more interesting connection. In 1998, there was a main lobbyist for Catalyst. Her name was Marcia Smolens. She was 
then the lobbyist for the city and county of San Francisco. But guess who she began her career in politics? As an aide to Feinstein. Hmm. So now we're back in San Francisco. So when you stop and think about Feinstein's connection to the Chinese president when she was mayor of Shanghai, then you've got what you've covered extensively in San Francisco with, um, oh, I can't remember her name. She was entrenched in everything. Oh, Rose Pack, yes. Thank you. Yeah, Rose Pack, who was connected to uh, the central party of the communist Chinese government. Uh, she controlled most of the politicians in San Francisco, including Kamala Harris, Willie Brown, and the governor. Yeah, yes, and she died in 2016. Now there's a big fight going on in San Francisco, and I don't know what the outcome of this has been, but they want to name this uh, transportation terminal after her. And local people who oppose her corruption have been voicing their opinions at uh, the uh, county commissioner's meeting. I don't know what the final disposition is, but Rose Pack's uh, antics are well known, and she's intimately tied to Feinstein. And I understand that Feinstein's Chinese spy that she hired came courtesy of Rose Pack. I wouldn't doubt that for a second. <laughs> the, the more that comes out about this particular city... Um, you could probably write a book on the on the corruption, and it would end up looking like a the size of War and Peace. Well, let's jump, Mr. Blum, for just a minute because it doesn't end with just all the commercial and the um, the farms and the postal service and the airlines and the you name it. He seems to have his fingers in everything. Well. Basically, I call it his destruction plan. Diane Feinstein's financial disclosure report in 2014 showed the Blum family partners' investment of at least a million dollars in Colony American Home Holdings. Colony Homes is under Colony Capital, and it's one of the largest investment firms in the world. Her statement then was, they were the leading owner and provider of high-quality single-family residence for renters across the United States. Mm -hmm. What it doesn't say is that the rental stocks are made up of foreclosed homes purchased by a handful of investor groups and hedge funds in the 07-08 aftermath financial crisis and real estate crash. Blum's private equity firm manages about $500 million in assets, has a bulk portfolio in its holdings by CBRE. It is the world's largest real estate services firm. Colony American was one of several investor-owned landlords highlighted in a case study that focused on Wall Street landlords and the impact of California renters and would-be homeowners. What came out of it was a statewide tenants' right organization that found renters of single-family homes from the biggest corporate landlords in the state, which were Blackstone Invitation Homes, Waypoint Homes, and Colony American Homes, pay higher rent than neighbors and face challenges getting repairs. Yeah. These companies own over 9,500 uh, properties in California. And this helps to explain why there are so many homeless doesn't it? And look at what we're coming up on the verge of, going through another economic crash, people losing their homes, the, and I'm smelling this all over again. Richard Blum's ties don't end there. There is something else called the Conference Prospects for the U.S. and Cuba Normalization Commerce Investment. The nutshell of this is the Cuba consortiums are an assembly of companies, nonprofit organizations, investors, academics, and entrepreneurs organized to track, examine, and normalize the, pro uh, the process in U.S. and Cuba. They are complemented, 
is <laughs> I shudder at that word by foreign policy, political, economic, international development, legal and cultural experts who specialize the knowledge of diplomacy, politics, economics, and normalization process. Well, the Consortium's Advisory Board is co-chaired by Senator Nancy Kassebaum, uh, sorry, Kassebaum Baker, and Tom Daschle. Oh, and it includes, oh, yes. But it also includes about ten other names, which I won't read them all off, notably Richard Blum and Janet Napolitano. Yeah, who was appointed to head the university system uh, that's been so corrupt in California. Absolutely. And former Homeland Security. See something, say mm-hmm. something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it never ends. Well, the... Oh, did I mention to you that um, when Blum had done the one deal, it was tied to the Carlisle Group? No, 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 no. Isn't that interesting? I will... That's why he doesn't go to jail. I mean, this is... there Right there is why he doesn't go to jail. It's the same group that protects Hillary Clinton as well. Let me see if I can find that really quick, because it is kind of and we interesting. Got about, we got about 30 seconds, so what I want to do, we're going to have to have you back to continue this. Richard Blum, Diane Feinstein, expose. But uh, the bottom line is this, is that Blum and Feinstein have put together a criminal empire. They've entered the Senate, or she entered the Senate as a millionaire, and she's going to leave as a multi-billionaire. And oh, absolutely. This is, yeah, it says, I wrote an article the other day. Uh, it's appearing on the commonsenseshow.com, and I said, uh, the Clintons were dead broke in 2000. How do they have billions of dollars today? Where'd the money come from? Same answer to both questions. The rule of law is dead. Well, we are totally well, 100% out of time, and I'm really sorry that we didn't get to a natural conclusion, but we'll have you back to do more on this, and I want to thank you for joining us here in the Common Sense Show, Alexandra. Interesting stuff. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> 